beautiful to be here with you this morning and to experience this together. Do not get nervous, sisters and brothers. This will not be an overly long sermon this morning. Uh, The choir was um, asked yesterday to please stay awake and alert during the whole sermon. In fact, there was a joke, I believe, that was told. Was that right? To uh, try to keep us happy? I I forget what it was. Why did the lobster not uh, give gifts? Because he was shellfish was what... um, This was not my joke. This was a joke by someone in the choir to try to keep them alive and alert. And so if you also find yourself wandering off, you can remember that. What a great day it is. Here's just three days shy of Christmas. And we have just heard about the proclamation of the angels to the shepherds as they were out in the pasture. The the shepherds, as you all know, are kind of unlikely characters in this story, but they have become so embedded now in our own imagination of that Christmas day that it's almost impossible to think about the Christmas story without thinking about the shepherds. We love the shepherds. We sing about the shepherds. We paint the shepherds, as you see in our murals over there. Uh, Tonight at the Jesus Jam, we will be reenacting the shepherds. We love the shepherds. And as has been well attested, one of the great parts of having the shepherd be so central in the Christmas story is that it's this reminder to us Jesus Christ did not come for those who seem to have it all together, for the most popular or the wealthiest or the, those who it seems are loved by all, but rather he came for even the outcast, perhaps especially for the outcast. The shepherds, of course, were not the most beloved of people back in the time of Jesus. In fact, they were not beloved at all. They were seen as being shiftless and and, and untrustworthy and dishonest. The shepherds were people who worked under the cloak of darkness. They were smelly. They oftentimes were grazing on other people's lands. No one liked the shepherds. They were excluded from just about every story but not the Christmas story. And so one of the things that we learn very on, or very early on in the life of Jesus, in the story of Jesus, is the fact that Jesus was born for the lost and for the least. For those who could see, and as we saw last week, for those who were blind, for those who smelled good and those who did not smell good, for those who worked in the light, but also for those who worked in the darkness. It is an upside down kind of story. But as I was thinking about this particular passage this week, I was also reminded of the fact that not only do the shepherds being here so early in the story help us to understand that Jesus came for the down and the out and for the outcast, but it's also a foreshadowing of who Jesus was going to be. I don't mean that Jesus was literally going to be a shepherd. What I mean is Jesus was going to be a shepherd in the biblical sense of what a shepherd actually is. 
Over the last month or so, um, in December, we here at ZPC have been kind of reading through the book of John. And every morning, hopefully, you've received a devotional. And about a week and a half or so ago, we had a devotional on John 10. Teresa Beardsley wrote it. She did a great job. And in John 10, you may recall, it is the story when Jesus tells his disciples that he is the good shepherd. One of the interesting things about shepherds is that they were both kind of hated and scorned in that time. But throughout scripture, shepherds are actually looked upon highly. In fact, again and again in scripture, as you read scripture, you realize that ideal leaders are described as shepherds. You remember this, Moses, uh, whenever uh, God appeared to him in the burning bush and wanted him to, to take the people out of Egypt... Do you remember what Moses was doing? He was shepherding. King David, the greatest king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, we are told, he was a shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, the ideal king is described as a shepherd. And and I think you'll know this. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd shepherd, right? So again and again, we see the importance of a shepherd in the scripture. And so as we think and as we hear about the shepherds and the Christmas story, what I want you to do is not just to remember that it means that Jesus came for the down and the out, but that it also is a foreshadowing of who Jesus Christ himself was going to be as the good shepherd. Now, why is it in scripture that shepherds are so loved and looked at as being ideal leaders? Well, I don't have time on this cantata Sunday to be able to go through all the different reasons. So let me just focus on one of them. One of the intriguing things about shepherds is that they have a unique relationship with their Sheep. Their relationship is not cold or heartless or distant in any way. Instead, shepherds know their sheep very well, and sheep know their shepherds very well. It's highly relational. It's intimate. It's familiar. familiar. In fact, if you look at John 10, I would encourage you to do so today. Go back and look at it. When Jesus describes the shepherd and the sheep, He says things like the shepherd knows the sheep's name, that the shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know them, that the shepherd knows, or the sheep, I should say, know the voice of the shepherd. There is this intimate relationship that happens, this close relationship, so that when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, what he's beginning to tell us is that he knows us. He sees us. He loves us. He longs to be in relationship with us. And one of the things that we all discover in life is that all of us want to be known and loved and seen. Over the last uh, week or so, we've had a lot of special music here at ZPC. Last Saturday night, 
Uh, we had the Christmas concert. Uh, the next day on Sunday morning, we had the Sunshine Singers. Uh, today, we have the cantata. Uh, you may know that already. Uh, tonight, we have Jesus Jam. Uh, it's great. And, and you know what happens whenever you're coming in to see some kind of special concert, especially if there's somebody there that you, you know, really know and love. You, you know their name and you, uh, you care about them. Maybe it's a parent or oftentimes it's a child or a friend. What happens, of course, is that you come in to the sanctuary, wherever you are, and you try to position yourself where you can best see your loved one, right? And so you come in there and you say, okay, I know that, you know, for me, I know where Shaughnessy's going to be. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit, we're going to sit right where we can, you know, see her the best. And, and of course, what always happens is that you go and you find the perfect location and, and you think, oh, this is great. And then at the last minute, Andre the Giant walks in and sits right in front of you. How annoying is that, right? It's so frustrating. And you're like, oh, gee whiz, you know, shrink, right? And so, or, you know, something else that we see, this is, of course, wasn't when I was a child, but is now, which is that you think it's good. And then all of a sudden the person next to you pulls out his or her camera, right? And, 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 and they just begin to just kind of do this, right? And all of a sudden you can't see anymore. And so if you, you know, you try to be polite, you're like, <clears throat> You know, you do one of those, and then maybe you pull out your own camera, and you hope that your arm's a little bit further out, and then you're just like, you like that? You like seeing that? Yeah, I can't see my kid either now, right? Those sorts of things. Now you guys are feeling bad if you had your camera. It's fine, but you got to be close. you got to be close. And so what, what happens, of course, is we go there, and we are passionate, almost desperate to see our loved one, to see the one whose name we know and the one who knows us. Now, of course, the same thing happens if you are performing, if you are singing, right? I mean, what, what happens is as soon as people come up here, what do they begin to do? They begin to look for people that they know, that they recognize, right? Last Sunday, this was great, last Sunday morning when we had our sunshine singers, we had a little boy who came up here, and I think it was at the 1030 service maybe, and he kind of screamed out, I can't find my mom, how great is that, right? That's what we're all thinking, right? We're looking, we're trying to find, we're trying to seek. We desperately want to know. And of course, as soon as you see your mom or your dad, then all is well, right? Then we kind of calm down because we know that we see and we know that our loved one sees us on Thursday, uh, we had a little concert for my four-year-old uh, at her preschool. And so we went, and, and, and they were kind of sitting up. They hadn't yet gone up on stage. But I was, you know, I was there, and I wanted her to see me. One of the things as parents, you always want to get credit for having been there, right? Uh, and so I, I wanted her to see me for that reason. But, of course, I also just wanted her to see me because I just I wanted to make sure that we had that connection. And so she was kind of looking around, and she hadn't yet seen me. But she was kind of going past. And, 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 and so I was kind of in the very back, and I didn't want to be one of those parents. So I was trying to be really cool about it. I'm just like, hey, I'm right here. So finally, right, when I looked around, I saw that nobody was looking. I, you know, I did this. I did one of these. And all of a sudden, boom, she saw me. And I knew that she saw me because her eyes lit up, right? And her smile kind of brightened. And she said, there's dad. 
right? And, and as soon as she did that, if, if she could have been recording me, I promise you this, you would have seen the exact same thing. You would have seen my eyes light up, my smile brighten, because I saw her, the one that I love as a daughter, the one who I named. It's this beautiful thing. It's the, most, it's the strangest thing because we see our children all the time. We've heard them sing these songs ad nauseum. And yet, that doesn't keep us from still wanting to see them and to be seen by them, to know them and to be known by them, to love them and to be loved by them. See, we believe very strongly that we were created to be in relationship with one another to be loved by one another, to know one another, to see one another, and to be seen and loved and understood by them. But as Christians, we also believe that we have been created to be in relationship with God, to be known by God, to know God, to be loved by God, and to love God. This is why Jesus uses this language of the good shepherd, this very relational, this intimate relationship. I know their name. See, one of the things that I think is that when Jesus was born, as corny as it may sound, I think it is like God holding up the shepherd's staff and waving it and waving it and waving it, trying to get our attention so that we can know that Jesus has been born for us out of love for us. One of the things that we know well, of course, is the simple fact that in our culture, we are desperate to be known, to matter, to be loved. And oftentimes we try those things in ways that perhaps aren't as healthy. We hope that if our family is perfect enough, then we will be understood and loved. We hope that if we keep moving up the, the, the job ladder, that then we will be known and loved. We hope that if we have just the perfect weight or the perfect beard or whatever else it may be, that if we can just have the right Facebook image, if we could do some of these things, then finally we will be loved and known and understood. And what you begin to find is eventually, if that's where you are trying to be fulfilled, it will always come up empty. But only when we begin to understand deeply that first and foremost, we are known and loved and have been named by God. This morning, my hope and my prayer is that as you go about the rest of your day, as we continue to hear these stories, and as you continue to hear the Christmas story again and again and again, that when you hear about those shepherds, that you will remember, yes, it means that Jesus came for the down and the out, the outcast, the stinky, those who work in the dark, for all of those people. But I hope that you will also know whether that's who you think you are or not, and the truth is, at the end of the day, all of us are in those positions in one way or another. That when you hear about the birth of Jesus, that you will remember that it is like God shaking his hand, his staff, and trying to get our attention. 
And as you think about that, here's what I want you to know. That when you see God, when you read about him, when you pray to him, when you sing praises to him, his eyes light up. And his smile brightens over his face. Make no mistake. He loves to be seen by you. And like a father to a child, when we see him and we celebrate him, his smile is one that you simply cannot wipe off. Know this. Jesus sees you. Do you see him? Let us pray. God, you are the good shepherd. We know that you see us and that we are seen by you. And I pray that you would help us to be a people who see you who know that we are loved by you. And as we do so, Lord, that we might begin to sing with even more gusto, that we might begin to proclaim your word, that others may also be able to see and know that they are loved by you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.